The following is audio from the Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about the Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. How can someone tell if you are a follower of Jesus or not? Is it because at work you carry a cup with some puppies on it that says, trusting in the Lord? Is it because of you reading your Bible every morning? Maybe you go to church every Sunday, you're really faithful to do that. Maybe it's because you're very generous with your money. How can someone tell that you're a follower of Jesus? And the answer to those questions is maybe those things. Maybe, right? I think it, sometimes we make fun of the person who like has like a t-shirt that's like, Jesus wants you. And we're like, like that ever works. But they're trying, okay? Like, like there is something in that. The reason why I say maybe is because if that person does that with love, it can make a big difference, right? If you go to church every Sunday, that could be worthless. But if you do it with love for God and showing love to one another, make a big difference. Right? All these things can either be pointless or full of meaning depending on one ingredient. Love. That's what the Bible talks about. Love. It's that simple. In Galatians 5, 6, listen to this. It says, The only thing that counts, it's pretty serious. The only thing, this is the Bible, the only thing that counts. I think sometimes we're like, man, if the Bible was just more clear, like I'd know what to do. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. It's Galatians 5. Galatians 5, 6. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. 1 Corinthians says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. It says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, if I go through horrible things, if I give my body to the flames, it says, but do not have love, I am nothing. This is really profound, right? It says, like, You can be real smart. You could be able to explain the Trinity in ways that people are like, wow, I've never heard it that way before. But if you don't love, nothing. All that matters, all that counts, is faith expressing itself through love. That is how people will know that you are a follower of Jesus or not. And so if you don't want to take that, we will listen to Jesus. In John 13, there's this incredible section where it's called the prelude to Jesus' final words. So, so we know after Judas has betrayed Jesus that the time has come that Jesus will move towards his death. And we, we see this here. These are the words he kind of leads into his final charge to his people. So John 13 I'll go ahead and start reading. There we go. When he was gone, Jesus said, when Jesus was gone, Jesus said, now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified 
in him, God will glorify the son in himself and will glorify him at once. There's a sense of immediacy there. Like if you just read this, there's this word that happens over and over and over again, which is glory, glorified, 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 glorified. What it's saying here is in this moment where Judas betrays Jesus, all of a sudden it's like you have this this huge string of dominoes that have all been set up and then one was touched. And all of a sudden you see this movement happen and God gets great glory from it. It means that, that God is fully expressed in this passionate moment and and one writer said that Jesus is overwhelmed by glory in this moment it's like that moment in a in a a wedding where the groom sees the bride for the first time she walks around he sees her and he's overwhelmed it's not that they haven't had this relationship leading up to that moment but in that moment he sees her and he's just like glory right and that's what happens that's what's happening here all at once Jesus sees Judas go to betray him and he knows the time has come. This is a special moment. And Jesus feels within him God receiving tremendous glory that that they aren't getting. Jesus is just saying this but they don't get it yet. And then he tells them this, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. What Jesus is saying here is, what I'm about to tell you, you only have right now to get it. It's not going to be like three months ago where where you kind of didn't get it, and then then next week I explain it to you again, and then then the next week I explain it to you again, he goes, this is it. Listen up. I'm going somewhere, and you can't come with me right now. So listen, what I'm going to tell you is, crystallizes everything that I want you to know. And that is this. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the first question is this. How, how is this a new command? Right In, in Leviticus 18.19, it says, love your neighbor. We hear throughout the Old Testament this, this refrain of love God. What makes this a new command is how it's qualified. It says, love one another, and it says, as I have loved you. So in the past, we got this charge to love, and, and we took that on ourselves, and we're like, I'm going to try so hard. And, but in this, Jesus is saying, as I have loved. So what we have is we have the fulfillment of love that we get to watch. We get love perfected in Jesus. So Jesus isn't just saying, go and do this, go try. He goes, see myself as your model. What I'm commanding you to do is what I have done. Clarifies what that love is. Does that make it harder or easier? So I think for a lot of us, we get into the New Testament, we're like, oh, it's great, just love. And, and yet in the Old Testament, we kind of were like, well, I just didn't murder somebody. Feeling pretty good. <laughs> like, I, you know, I didn't steal someone's donkey last week. Doing pretty good, you know. But this, Jesus is going, what you've seen me do, the extra, my extraordinary life, that's what I'm offering for you as the model for you now to walk in that, that same way. So, 
How do we do this? Well, there's, there's three things that, that I want you to consider when we see how Jesus loved and how you are to love also. And the first thing is just what you see. The second thing is how you speak. And the third is how you show. So the first in how you see, what we see in Jesus is this is really important, that Jesus sees who the Father made you to be. This is a big deal. Write it down. Memorize it. Jesus sees who the Father made you to be. So I'll give you examples from Jesus' life here in John. John 4, Jesus sits down with the woman at the well. This is the story called the woman at the well. She's a Samaritan woman. So if, if we were to sit down with Jesus, we would see something Jesus, the different than who Jesus would have saw. What we would see is, oh, she's a Samaritan woman, so I probably shouldn't hang out with her. If we knew her story, we'd probably know she had five husbands and she's living with somebody who's not her husband, so don't really know if I want to be associated with her. So we would see. What does Jesus see? Jesus sees a potential child of God. Right? So Jesus spends time with her and, and she kind of is like sassy, right? And she's trying to kind of push him away and Jesus kind of digs in. Gives her an invitation. She goes back and shares that with her whole town. And many come out and they believe in him. John 8, woman caught in adultery, gets brought to Jesus. Because they want Jesus to give them affirmation to put this woman to death. So what would we see? Well, we would see woman caught in adultery. Don't really want to be associated with her. What is the law? What What does Jesus see? Well, Jesus sees a potential child of God. He sees what? He sees who the Father made you to be. It's profoundly different. Usually when we see people, we see what makes us different. Right? Like, are they more popular than I am? So should I hang out with them? Maybe it will raise my status. Or maybe if I get seen with them, it's not going to reflect well on me. (laughs) Oftentimes these are the things that we're struggling with when we see people. But Jesus is like, man, I see... I see people who the Father intended them to be, and this is what we call original design. And original design is simply this, that you cannot make yourself, but you can find yourself. This is countercultural, right? You can't make yourself, but you can discover who God made you to be, right? This is profound, that when Jesus saw people, he wasn't like, Okay, this woman who's tried so many ways to make herself and whatever that was, Jesus was like, no, what I'm going to call out in you is who God made you to be. Do you see people in that way? The second is speaking like Jesus. Jesus speaks the words of the Father over you. Jesus speaks the words of the Father over you. Listen, in John 12, Jesus says this, verse 49, For I do not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life, so that whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. What does Jesus say? He's speaking the words of the Father. What do we say over one another? Man, sometimes we say and we're like, whoa, 
We're, this is actually usually what it sounds like. We're like, this is going to hurt, but I love you. <laughs> you know? And we just let loose. Right? And they're like, but I love you. Right? <laughs> Jesus had this amazing way of, of, of not just speaking from himself, even though he's the son of God. What he did is he waited. He was patient. He saw them for who the Father made them to be and then he waited till the Father gave him discernment then to speak. And so what he said showed that you're fearfully and wonderfully made but I'm going to call out in you who you are. We get in John 3. He says, I came to save the world, not to condemn the world. But oftentimes, like we have such a hard time with this. (laughs) Because what we do, and, and this is the way I think will be helpful is, is we use our words to make walls, not doors. And I think the difference between us and Jesus is Jesus is, he literally Jesus says, I am the door. That's one of the things he says in John, like I am the gate. It doesn't mean like, hey, you and me are the same. Jesus is like, you're invited. Jesus spoke very invitationally. Everything he said was this like, like if, you're, if you're weary, come, come. He's like, yeah, you have to walk through this door, but there is a door. But oftentimes what we say is we, we kind of see somebody and we kind of, you know, kind of critical. We assess how we're going to approach the situation. <laughs> and what we say oftentimes builds a wall instead of this invitation. I think also sometimes we, we use what we say to be like, like one and done. Like we just want to try to communicate everything at once rather than like, actually like being with that person so that that our presence and what we say to them can fully communicate to them that yes, you are loved, you are wanted, you're invited. Because that's the way Jesus lived. You are loved, you are wanted, you're invited. And that's what it looks like to speak like Jesus. The last one is this, is to show Jesus demonstrates his declaration of love in action. Jesus demonstrates his declaration of love in action. And, and I want to pull up, um, John wrote another book, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. And in 1st John, he writes this. He says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but in action and in truth. Guys, you can say a lot of things. I can say a lot of things. And I, get, I want to say here, like, it's important that, you know, whoever is speaking up here, whoever gets to, to lead during this time, we present Jesus as the perfect example of love, not ourselves, right? It's because some of you might have heard me say, I, I love you, like I'm there for you, and then I didn't love well. That's very possible. Uh, you know, for us, I think as a church, the Refuge Church has been known as a really welcoming community. But the truth is some people haven't felt welcome here. You know, probably most of those times super unintentionally. Maybe times when we had a five-minute break and they were new here. And during the five-minute break, no one talked to them. 
And they're like, man, someone said I was going to come and be really welcomed. And I just don't feel, you know, but then you can hear us say like, man, Refuge Church, we're a church of this city. But man, maybe some of us don't love our city well. <laughs> you know, got to be honest with this, that we say these things. And I think this is so well seen in Peter because Jesus says in John, this is my command, love one another. And then what we get in in John proceeding with them, here in, in verse 36, Simon Peter says, Lord, where are you going? And and Simon Peter did this often, sort of his the way he interacted with Jesus is Jesus would say something profound and then it was like Peter just wasn't paying attention. And, um, right, Mount of Transfiguration, like this beautiful moment. The father's like, this is my son, I love him. Peter's like, do you guys want to like camp out or something? You know, and, and <laughs> during this time Jesus is like, love one another. And he's like, so where are you going? Yeah, it's like, oh. that, it's, it's so much like us. And Jesus replied, Where I am going, you can't follow, but you will follow later. And Peter says, Lord, why can't I follow you now? And then he goes on, and he should have just stopped there, right? But then he says, I will lay down my life for you. Again, these words we use, these things we say, make it sound like we're awesome. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Somebody writing on on this section of scripture, they said, this and this meaning, this charge to love like Jesus loved, this is to be the badge that the Christian community wears before the watching world. As we read verse 35, we are bound to cringe with shame at the way in which professing Christians have treated others, each other through the years. We have turned the gospel into a weapon of our own various cultures. We have hit each other over the head with it. We have burned each other at the stake with it. We have defined the one another so tightly that it means only love the people who reinforce your own sense of who you are. It's a challenging word. But we have to admit when we read that, when we see love like Jesus loved and he laid down his life for those that hated him. Right? When they were just heaping hate on him, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But first we're like, oh yeah, I will show you that I'm right. Right? And showing you that I'm right doesn't mean laying down my life for you. It's more like, I have a way more rational position than you do. <laughs> right? And there, there, are, there are times to speak, but in that speaking, are you loving? Are you really loving? And not, not like the ridiculous, like, I'm loving you. So I'm going to say a hard thing. But, but like really, like communicating in such a way that they would go, I don't agree with them, but wow, how they loved. Because there is a huge if in this statement. Listen, it says, verse 35, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So what this means is you can be super smart, follow Jesus since you were two years old, And no one will have a clue that you are a follower of Jesus if you don't love. It's just, it's that clear. If we aren't loving, we're not gonna look like Jesus. But we like, sometimes we like argue it like, I will show you why I theologically am an awesome Christian. 
Guys, I, I did this kind of experiment when I was studying for this, and I went to, I have this big library in my home. I've, I've spent a fortune on books. I, do, I don't have a fortune to spend, so you can interpret that however you want. And uh, but I have this, all these books, and so I went and I pulled down systematic theology books that I have. And in each systematic theology book, there is, there is a portion on ecclesiology, which means study of the church. And you'd think if Jesus says, this is how they will know that you are followers of Jesus. This is how they will know that you are a church that bears my name, love. You would think that there would be just fat chapters on love. <laughs> there aren't. It's like... Theologically, how do you deal with the Trinity? Which is important, super important. But uh, I'm reading this book. Is this old saint who, wish I could remember his name right now. But he said this, he goes, it makes, it, it is no good if you can wax eloquently about the Holy Spirit if there's no evidence of his work in your life. And it's like, yeah, it's like burn, Right? Because what we do is, and even I know on Sunday mornings, we can collect understanding about God, right? We get in the Word and we're like, I'm going to share that. I'm going to Instagram that, right? And, and it, we do these things. And the question is, is there any evidence of it in your life? And, and if there's not, grieve. Because you're not going to argue your way into looking like a Christian. You're going to love your way into that, right? Loving like Jesus, it's the only way they will know that you're his follower. So, so simple, it seems like, but so hard. So, how will people know that you are a follower of Jesus? And it's this simple. If they experience his loving presence when they are with you. How will someone know that you're a follower of Jesus? If they experience his loving presence when they are with you. Not if you've gotten your point across, but if they experience his presence, loving presence when they are with you. Pray with me. Father, we, we confess how we have tried to fashion on all our positions perfectly and maybe forgotten to love. And we know that you our truth. You don't just esteem truth. You are truth. You are the way, the truth, and the life. We know that, but then you say, go and love. Go, go take this not to conquer people, but go, go take this to love. Maybe when they see us lay down our lives, they'll see we have a Savior who laid down his life for us. God, teach us this way. We want to walk in your way. God, I know that that even hearing this today, we can get inspired. But it won't mean that we leave here being better lovers. Just because we want it doesn't mean we are immediately. It's going to take intentionality and sacrifice and following the way of the cross. Jesus. So God, I, I pray that that will crystallize in our minds what it means to follow you. God, let us be known as a church that loves. Praise in Jesus' name, amen.